Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. That's right. It is the show where we watch the movies you have recommended to us. And I'm your host, John. With me, but not really with me, but in spirit, is my co-host, Jeff. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm with you in spirit. I am currently haunting your room. It's true. You have died in my bed and... <laughs> You just died in my arms tonight. <laughs> A murder was committed here. Ah, yes. There was death and now revenge. And your revenge is recording a podcast with me. Forevermore. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm haunting you. Go get me a Burger King. <laughs> One Burger King. Not a burger. Get me a Burger King. Burger King is my shorthand way of saying, go get me my regular order at a Burger King. <laughs> Actually, in this case, Burger King is go get me some in and out Yeah, no, I would never go to a Burger King. That place yeah, I know, sucks. Yeah, but you might go, and right now, you shouldn't go to an in and out uh, I drove past the one in your neighborhood when I was dropping off the, uh, the sound gear so that we could start doing this re remote recording stuff. Yeah. And their line was like a line at an amusement park or a convention center where they actually had to have three employees standing outside and two of them were just in charge of segments of line that lead to other segments of line. Wow. Okay. I I, I would say there were probably about 70 cars in line. That is nuts. Yeah. Especially Most because of the parking this isn't lot like a busy in and out. Like the one near me is pretty tame. I wouldn't say it's super tame. Every time I drive by it on my way to your house for a game night, which, God, remember those? Hey, remember uh, when that happened? <laughs> it was uh, every time I drive by it thinking, I'll just get a you know a, a nice double-double before I head over to the, the game night. It's always like, oh, the line is at least 40 minutes. <laughs> but I'll tell you, in my neighborhood, there's a Krispy Kreme. It's like the last one in San Diego or whatever. Mm. They do not have the management potential of an In-N-Out, and therefore the insane line for it during this COVID stuff is taking over the street in front of my house. I, man, I saw that when I was, like, leaving a while ago. I went past that and went, wow, what? That's weird. Why are there so many people there and nowhere else? But like, I, I have to assume it's because donuts last a day or two, so they're like, we're getting, the, we're getting a bunch of donuts to have breakfasts for two days or whatever i guess but i'm like who's who's doing this who's like oh man i'm not supposed to leave my house but the one thing i'll do is go to Krispy cream <laughs> yeah i i i guess i can't i, I gotta feel sorry for those Krispy cream workers i mean that place it, that line is unrealistic i mean it's out in the street it's going down the street it goes through a red light so anyway uh. um yeah, anyway, so, we are here to discuss a film of some sort. Yes. So a while ago, <laughs> one of our listeners decided that because we have the policy of if you actually send us a movie to watch, we will go ahead and put it on the list twice. So there's a better chance that we will get to it so that we've got yeah, it's just a little reward for people who are taking the time to send us like dvds instead of you know just recommendations although these days i'm like damn it a dvd i have to go unpack a machine <laughs> uh but i mean honestly even then i'm like we'll just watch it some other way but it's the thought that counts 
Yep. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> one of our someone listeners, got the bright idea. Yeah. They they decided to send us 11 copies of the B movie. Yes. 11 copies of that. And then I'd say I think I got like six copies of robots and uh, three copies of the ant bully. And I want to say there was another one, but I oh, it might have been uh, was that Barnyard or whatever that is. Maybe. Like, I think it's the Kevin the, the Kevin James one where they all play male cows that have udders. <laughs> you know. Uh, so I mean, I think yes. that's what that one's famous for. That's <laughs> yeah. that is the only thing it is famous for. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was basically inevitable that this would come up, and indeed it has. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I mean, I didn't actually cheat and put eleven or twelve entries technically of the B movie onto the big list. I just knew we'd eventually need the B movie. Eventually, we would. Eventually, mm-hmm. everyone needs it. <laughs> So, uh, oh, excuse me. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh don't no. die. I tr- I'll try not Again. to. Again? Then you'll double <laughs> haunt me. Plus, I already used all my GoFundMe cred. <laughs> Please fund this ghost. <laughs> Please, I need to keep ha- haunting John's room until he gets me a Burger King. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. What do we usually talk about before these? Uh, okay. So... Oh, yeah. A spoiler-free review. Yeah. Sorry. We're... I've forgotten the before time. It's it's okay. I understand. So yeah, we are going to do a quick spoiler-free review of this. Uh now B-movie is notorious for being basically a meme and shit on a lot. Well, yeah, and I also I also felt it was notorious because never before and never again has Seinfeld worked Jerry Seinfeld worked so hard. Like it, it, not <laughs> And not making or starring in the movie, but rather just, like, pushing it later. Yeah, I guess we can say that this was a real passion project for Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, um, I did not expect this movie to go the way it did, because I've never seen a non-memed version of it before. What? It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, again, obviously we didn't watch this together, so... I, I mean, there's a million stars in this that I was not expecting. I don't oh know my about you. god, the cast list for this is nuts. Just mm-hmm. okay. It is Jerry Seinfeld, Renee Zellweger, Matthew Broderick, Patrick Warburton, John Goodman, Chris Rock, Kathy Bates, Larry King, Ray Liotta, Sting, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> Megan Mullally, Rip Torn. <laughs> I liked it. There's, I mean, it goes so far down the list of famous people that, like, at the near the very end of the movie, there's like an air traffic control officer who gets like two lines. That's Michael Richards. Yeah, there's, I mean, you got Carl Castle to show up. <laughs> uh, granted, as himself. Yeah, and then of course, because it was a movie that had any sort of uh, voice acting, John DiMaggio is there. And Tress McNeil, yeah. They, I mean, there, there's a couple of uh, and Jim Cummings. Yeah, there's just a couple of people that that they get their beak wet if you make a cartoon movie. That's that's just the rule. Yeah, it's hey, you had someone coming into a studio to make a cartoon. Where's Papa's money? Mm-hmm. That's that's what's happening. Daddy needs uh, a piece. <laughs> I'm always kind of I have mixed feelings whenever I see Jim Cummings on a project because people like him because he you know he's he's Pete and he's Winnie the Pooh and what have you. 
mm-hmm. but he's basically just a less famous uh, James Woods in terms of politics. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, man. Welcome to bad news time. That's oh. This is what you get for having a ghost. <laughs> All I get is bad portents. <laughs> I float around in your room and let you know which people have or which famous people have bad politics, even though you like their agreeable growly voice. <laughs> oh bother. <laughs> uh so yeah, I'm gonna say this wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be. Like I thought this was gonna be really bad, and it was only mostly bad. I would say it was most it's just aggressively boring and deeply confusing. I mean, yes, there's <sighs> The choices that go into this movie are less like, oh my god, I hate this, and more, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, I, I don't know. I think maybe we've been talking almost ten minutes. We should probably like do the thing. Yeah, all right. We are going to play a little bit of music, and then we are going to be right back with the full spoilerific review of B-Movie. Riding in cars with comedians now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's their time up there, but it's our time down here. Me and Seinfeld. <laughs> this is my movie review, and I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. Uh, I mean, you've probably seen the first four minutes of this movie uh, before it descends into meme madness, but effectively it opens with uh, a, a little narrator moment where uh, Jim Cummings, because he's the narrator, pops up and, and and announces, technically, humans do not understand how bees can fly. They shouldn't be. Their wings aren't strong enough to carry their fat little bodies. Yeah, which is not true, but okay. It, it, it was true for a long time that we didn't understand the science of how bees fly, because their wings aren't big enough, but it's just that they have uh, an extremely strong flap based around kind of a rubber banding technology, or development inside their wing muscles they got a real big mario cart in their muscles here's the thing you're going to find out from me john as we make our way through today's episode my daughter is obsessed with bees bees she just loves bees loves and so them. i end up watching a lot of bee documentaries hmm. all right so uh so when it comes to the science i am going to be uh <laughs> right on top of things if if we need if we need someone to go all Neil deGrasse Tyson on the episode, uh, I'm your guy. I mean, you really don't, considering right off the bat, this movie's like, nah, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'd say there's basically two moments. One of them is the opening title narration where it was like, humans have never understood how bees can fly. And I was like, unless this movie came out pre-2006, that's bullshit. And it came out 2007. Yeah, so they knew. You assholes. Don't try and sell me on how long it takes to make a CGI movie. Ah. 
Uh, and then the other one is at the end, there's a whole thing that hinges on bee smokers. Man, uh, there is a bunch of stuff that hinges on a lot of bee things. And and uh, the, the suggestion in the movie is that bee smokers are like just big cigarettes. Yeah. The, that's inaccurate. They do, that would be too expensive. <laughs> uh, so our movie opens after the narration with, let's go follow Jerry Seinfeld's Barry B. Benson, who is graduating, and it is just, like, it starts with the B jokes right away and will not stop for the rest of the movie. No, like, it's gleeful about the B jokes. Although I got to be honest, I mean, I know that Seinfeld's not exactly like the most committed actor in the world, but this opens with him just doing being vaguely bemused by his own appearance in the movie. Like half his half his lines are like, "Yeah, I guess that's what a B would do." I don't know, whatever. Let's just keep going. Roll it. <laughs> I miss my fancy cars and way too young of a girlfriend. Uh, yeah, it's there's there's a level where i am okay with the puns because i'm like mm -hmm. all right i get it it's a movie about one specific thing obviously that's your only material so you're gonna have to really lean into it but also there's just a point where i'm like i get it we don't need to keep doing this uh, yeah, I mean, the opening thing is him getting up out of bed in the morning and getting ready and he's getting dressed and he can't decide between yellow and black or black and yellow. Uh, and, and he puts his stinger in a pencil sharpener and it turns out that all of the products that he puts on his hair and body and so on are just honey. Yeah, there's a Do bottle of these... honey and he's like, yeah. oh, I'll use it to as mouthwash and then I'll put it under my arms and I'll use it to style my hair. And I'm like, OK, great. Sure. Uh, we all get it. Thank you for letting us know. Uh, anyway, it turns out that this is his graduation day. He is about to graduate from B college. Now, this is also a point where we are going to learn that this movie <laughs> just doesn't give a fuck and has some weird things. So, yeah. like, he flies downstairs from his bedroom, and his parents are pissed that he doesn't use the stairs, which... Why? Kathy Bates and Barry Levinson, by the way. <laughs> They're like, hey, why why aren't you using the stairs? I'm like, what is why what? And then there's cars. Everyone's driving. Yeah, everyone's got cars in the beehive. Um and they're mad at him for flying and, and they're like, Yeah, we just walk in the house. Don't fly in the house. That's not that that's rude. And you're like, What are you talking about? What? But bees have wings when they all when their culture revolve around flying, but no, I guess not. No. I mean, and it, then he gets in his little car, and I, he, his antenna are a cell phone. So let's, yes. you know, that that's how he gets a hold of people. Just so you I know, I am at least glad that that bit wasn't just a throwaway, and it actually does show up several more times. I was like, oh, oh yes, okay. yeah, good. Yeah, you the, didn't the, just the, decide the... the image of antenna as a cell phone was a funny thing, and then just never mentioned it again. Yeah, no, that was a regular thing. Everyone, every bee's cell phone is just their antenna. Um, but he's on the phone with his friend Adam, which it's interesting that he's Barry B. Benson. Like, they have to do the whole lean in hard. And then his his best friend is a bee named Adam Flamen. Yeah. Great. What are we doing? What is that? Anyway, that's Matthew Broderick, um, who he's going to pick up because they're carpooling to college for graduation day. Yes. 
and it has been a wild three days. Yeah, so in case you were curious as to the uh, the, the bee jokes being extended here, yes, bees have short lifespans, so they were in high school for three days, college for three days, and of course, uh, Barry took a, a day off to backpack around the hive at one point. Yes. Uh, now, we find out, of course, now that every bee is going to pick a job at this point once they graduate and then just do that for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Barry is the only one that has a problem with this. Yeah, yeah, and it's weird because it's a problem that's new, like... Uh, you know, presumably for him, the three days of college have been a long time. Uh, you'd think he would have noticed that this was coming. I, I guess he just paid no attention to the future. Yeah. What the hell were they exactly teaching in his various school bits where he was like, mm-hmm. what? We've got to have the same job for the rest of our lives. No one told me this. And it's like, how did they not tell you that? I feel like that would have been like day one stuff. <laughs> Maybe I think that you was the day he was backpacking around the hive. Yeah. <laughs> or, or his parents probably told him that, right? I mean, uh, the question I have is you see a lot of people in the uh, in the hive who are working who are like, um, you know, female bees. You can tell because they all have 1950s haircuts. Yeah. And I mean, um, honestly, there are points where, like, Barry and his friend are talking about, like, ooh, lady bees. But. Only Barry's dad ever had a job. Like, the the, the the family is immensely proud of him having been a stirrer his whole life. Uh, there's nothing about his mom having ever had a career. She clearly was has been a homemaker the whole time. So did she choose that? Was she just like, no, nah, I'll pass and wait to get married? Did she even go to B college? I mean, they say that the Hive has a 100% employment rate. So yes. I, I have to assume... That she has a job, but it's just, like, not something that gets mentioned or matters. Right. The other problem you run into with that is that uh, his dad is apparently retired. Like, he makes a, there's a couple of retirement jokes and, oh, you should go into the business that I was in, son, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the B jokes consistently tell us that the hive works you until the instant you die. Yeah. Wait a minute, you're saying I'm going to work until I die? Yeah, we're going to try to do that. That's definitely the plan. Oh, you failed with my dad. He's, like, retired. How did that work? I've even got a grandpa in this movie. <laughs> so, very confusing, that part. Um, uh, also, I, one of the jokes I actually did appreciate was whenever people pointed out that uh, the whole Barry has a mom and a dad and he lives with them and they're his only son thing makes no sense from a beehive perspective. Yeah. They just get offended. That's that their, their response. They're just like, how dare you? No, I love that. I mean, who gives a shit the order we do this in? But later on in the movie, that gets brought up specifically. Someone's like, hey, uh, isn't it true the queen has all of the children? How do you have a mom and dad? You're not even their kid. And everyone's like, oh, how dare you? And I'm like, but it's... You're not even going to try and address anything, are you? <laughs> no, he's just going to get mad about it. Uh, but yeah, so... In a bit of dazzling CGI for no reason, by the way, on their way to the college, they go, they, their drive has a bunch of like loops and tricks and stuff in it. And they're just idly commenting on it like, oh, yeah, it was a good idea. They put in this amusement park on the way to the war- on the way to the college so that you'd have a fun time on your drive. 
Yeah. Okay. What that? What does that add to the movie? It's just so you can do whiz bang CGI shit. And <laughs> I mean, you got to do something because God knows there's there's a lot of CGI stuff in this that I'm like. DreamWorks, you're a little behind the times on this one. You, uh, this is this is not great. This is like it came out in 2007. Right. Toy Story two came out in 1999, and mm-hmm. this feels like Toy Story one levels. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember what 2007 brought us when it comes to Pixar films, and you know what it was, John? Mm. Ratatouille. Yeah. I feel like Ratatouille looks like, I don't know, 200 times better than this. Yeah, this is one of the animated movies that maybe it was all the celebrity voices. Most likely it was just the very garbage CGI for humans. But Mm -hmm. I kept being like, this really just, the voices and the faces aren't going together. Like, yeah, no, I... And a lot of the faces feel unnecessarily static. Uh, I I would say the biggest culprit is usually, uh, I don't even know the name of the guy, but the guy that Patrick Warburton is playing. Yeah, uh, he's playing Vanessa's boyfriend. What is that? Uh, Ken. Ken? Ken, yeah. Uh, He he looks like they forgot to animate his face most of the time. Yeah, it's just people start talking and I go, man, I never realized how important it is to really match up mouth movements to what someone is saying in a cartoon, unless you're just doing very, like, you have to go one way or the other. Either it's just like Muppet mouth moves and noise comes out, or you go full Pixar where everything matches the, like, actual mouth movements you would have. Because when you kind of half-ass it like this, it's very distracting. It is exceedingly ugly. Uh, maybe they worked on this movie longer than Ratatouille was worked on, so it was it started from a worse place. Oh, you can definitely tell. They spent a lot of time on this. Really wanted to get <laughs> it right. Yeah, they really spent a long time thinking out this script, because right here, we established the basic motive of the movie, which is that uh, Barry believes that there should be more to life than just working one job until you die. Uh, and therefore, he leaves instead of choosing a job, gets caught pretending to be a pollen jock to impress women by actual pollen jocks. Pollen jocks, by the way, are the bees who leave the hive. They are all large, muscular bees. Yes. Only the biggest of bees can go outside. The biggest, sexiest bees are allowed to go outside. Everyone else has to get silly Willy Wonka factory jobs. Yeah, everyone else has to wear a hat with a fingertip on the end of it. Uh, also, there are no lady pollen jocks. Uh, all the pollen jocks are big, broy, like Top Gun looking piloty dudes. Uh... Now, I mean, I don't want to point out that every bee you ever see, for the most part, is female. But let's let, let you know what. Let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, yes, Barry just eventually, like after going through a whole like the graduate thing like where he's just not wanting to do anything does go out with the pollen jocks mm-hmm. and he's like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna do this because i want to actually see the world get out there and you know figure out w- what's barry who is barry i gotta know who i am before i settle down and die yeah he did 
I mean, sure, why not? That's a perfectly understandable movie main character plot line to be like, oh, I got to find out the find the right job for me, and I don't think it's being a factory drone, even though I am literally a drone. <laughs> and you'd think at this point, up until this like time in the movie, that that's going to be generally the thrust of B movie is. You know, I want to be more than an assigned job. I want to have more than just what this ha- society says I should be. And that's kind of, you know, that's that's a normal thing for like an insect movie to have. If you're doing something about a hive, someone who goes against the order. Yeah, I get it. I think that's been the plot of every other movie that started Bugs. So, yeah. Yeah. However, Bugs Life and Ants both had that. This is going to take a real hard left soon. <laughs> well, notably, by the end of the movie, it more or less reveals that the solution to his problem of not wanting to have one job for the rest of his life is that he has two jobs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> solution achieved. We but did no, it. he goes <laughs> he goes out flying with the pollen jocks, gets stuck to a tennis ball. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's more whiz bang CGI of the bees flying around because it turns out that Obviously, the uh, the beehive is in Central Park in New York. Yeah, of course. Um, so they go flying around. He gets stuck to a tennis ball, and the tennis ball is picked up by uh, Renee Zellweger's character, Vanessa, uh, who spins and serves it, and then he gets caught doing a bunch of CGI tennis. You get to meet, at this point, very briefly, both Zellweger and uh, Warburton's characters, Vanessa and Ken, who are playing tennis with each other, but then uh, he just gets knocked away from them and lands in a car in a busy city street. Yeah, I was like, oh, I recognize that these are going to be, you know, the two characters that everyone knows about, like, a bee falls in love with a human. I get it, and I know Mm -hmm. who that is. But then... Instead of that being the method by which he meets them, it just is a coincidence, and then he is thrown out into the city streets to try and get back to the hive, but oh no, it's a rainin'. Yeah, so he can't make it back to the hive, and instead, desperate for shelter, he sneaks into a uh, a house, which, lo and behold, just happens to be Vanessa Bloom's house. Yeah, and... Uh... Uh, Turns out that Ken is allergic to bees. Oh, Ken is... You know how... We've talked about this a bunch of times, John, in movies, how they have to give the the main female character a bad boyfriend so that the new guy coming along, our, our hero, will look good. Yes. There has to be a a bad boyfriend so that the audience is sympathetic to the idea of the new guy breaking her up with the old boyfriend. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, in a more serious movie, they do that with like abuse or drug use or that kind of thing. And in comedy movies, it's usually just a collection of negative character or silly negative character traits. Uh, Warburton's Ken is basically the the rough equivalent of when your dad catches you smoking and makes you smoke the whole pack in this regard. He is ev- he, he has no positive character traits. No, he is he's so horrible. Yeah, he's. He... <sighs> Like, when we first meet him, he's talking about how he made his resume a fold-out pamphlet of a resume, and how, like, everyone loves him whenever he goes to a job interview, and when we saw him playing tennis, he's overly aggressive, and is just like, yeah, I'm Patrick Warburton! He always wants people to go out for yogurt, even though everyone knows that ice cream is way better. (laughs) 
it, yeah, he's just he's an aggressive, dumb, stupid, giant, not thinking idiot. And, and it, ultimately, I guess the idea is, is, you know, you're supposed to not like him. So it makes sense that this human bee romance is going to make sense later <laughs> in the film. Um, but even with his titanic abilities to act like a jerkwad, it still just kind of leaves you wondering why Vanessa was dating him in the first place. I mean, that's always what happens in any movie where you're like, oh, and she's dating this guy. When the good protagonist shows up, like, why are you dating that guy? Because even yeah. you don't seem to like them. Yeah, no, she, at no point in the film does she ever seem to appreciate or care for him in any way. No, there's no it's point where we settled. see her, like, kiss him or hug him at all. They, I mean, thankfully, I don't think this movie could have handled a kiss. Oh, no. I've Good Lord. That would have been rough. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like it had the movie had to tell us that they were in a relationship before I knew that that was true. Yeah. Otherwise, it might have just been like her jerk brother or something that she has to tolerate. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Ken yeah. sees Barry and is like, oh, I got to smash this guy. Yeah, so he pulls out a pair of winter boots and brags about the size and weight of the winter boots for a while before trying to smash the bee. And uh, at the very last second, Barry is saved by Vanessa, who just takes him and puts him on, like, the flower pot she has outside. Yeah, and, and he has to be, uh, Warburton has to be like, why'd you, sm why'd you stop me from smashing that bee? You know I'm allergic. And she, and don't you give me that, that all life has value shit. And she, and she's like, no, but it does. All life does have value. That bee might do something awesome someday. <laughs> that bee has just as much right to live as you do. Boyfriend of mine. <laughs> Boyfriend. And then he gets mad and stomps off for yogurt. Yes. Um, now, Barry his, is instantly taken with her, and not just because she saved his life, but there's like a whole dreamy, you know, uh, romance music plays, and they put cartoon hearts around her and stuff when he, when he sees her. So he's obviously got the hots for this giant human. Yep. <laughs> and it's interesting because at this point, he's hanging around still because while he could fly home, it he doesn't want to. And he gives himself this excuse where he's like, well, I have to thank her for saving my life. It's just how I was raised or whatever. But, I mean, you can lie to yourself, buddy, but don't lie to me. You want to fuck this giant woman. Oh, obviously. And, I yeah. mean, come on, I get it. That's that's a fetish that exists. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Sure. You want to sure. fuck a giant woman. I get it. But all this time we have to spend with him kind of nebbishly wandering around the house being like i should thank her no i should leave her alone i deserve thanking her that's what, just the way i was raised you're just like dude just own up to the, the you found an ex you, you've got a good excuse to go talk to this woman you want to bang oh what do i even start with do you like jazz <laughs> yeah yeah uh i mean at that point they've met and or she, he goes up and talks to her she freaks out it, they get past it very quickly oh yeah her ability to get over a talking bee and then just be like, yeah, I'm I'm just going to have a, a regular old conversation with you is uh, takes about a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the two of them decide to go out for coffee or a walk or something so that they can have a long conversation about what it's like to be a bee versus what it's like to be a human. Yeah. They go up um, to the roof to have coffee. Yeah. Yeah, and of course that means that there's some, like, dude working on the roof who 
who has to see her talking to herself. Yeah. Uh, and, and eventually fall down. That's one of, that's one of the two John DiMaggio roles. When, when the character's in the movie for less than a minute, that's what, that's the kind of job they get. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, and, and you know, they, they have a couple of mutual interests, which, which is weird. Uh, there's a point where, where, uh, Ken has managed to hit Barry with a, with a magazine. And he's like, yeah, it felt like a, what, what was that? Like a penny saver about 10 pages. Yeah, my brother was killed by Italian Vogue. Great. So we learn that he has a sense for how much paper is being swung at him because bees get killed by swats all the time. Which is, okay. I understand the joke you're trying to make. Yeah, but sure, sure. <laughs> there is actually a part in this movie where they go past a testing facility for safety equipment when they're doing the whole job tour, and... Someone is testing out a helmet, and they get hit by a magazine, a fly swatter, and a shoe. And you have to I wonder. Mean, it's cartoon. They... Like, well, my thing is, sure, great. I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to question how you got a magazine and a shoe into the hive. Whatever. I don't care. What mm. I'm saying is, how does he know any of this? Unless he had the job of getting hit by a magazine. He has never gone outside of the hive. We know this. Mm -hmm. And it's not like anyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hit this high schooler with a magazine because the on they only exist in the testing facility. Also, apparently Barry had a brother at some point who was a pollen jock, because otherwise, how did he get out of the hive to get hit with a copy of Italian Vogue? Indeed. Uh but we have no mention of that, and there's a point where where he's like, oh, look, the pollen jocks are coming in. Oh, they're here. He doesn't say they're heroes. He's just like, they look interesting. There's no point where he's like, you know, my brother was one of those. Hmm. So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man. All I'm saying is this movie maybe doesn't add up. All I'm saying is maybe they just decided to do any visual or pun joke they wanted and did not give a shit about the rest of the script. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it does pay off in the movie's favor. I have to be very honest about that. There is at least one joke where I'm like, I'm I'm more laughing because they didn't give a shit about their own premise, and and that works for me. Mm. Uh, okay, so yeah, they they decide to be friends. They go to a grocery store together, and you've probably also seen that scene because it's the one where Renee Zellweger's character takes a magazine away from some like grocery store employee and hits him with it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> The, uh, I mean, the whole thing with this is, like, Barry goes back to the hive and has to explain to his friend that, you know, he likes a human woman, and, mm -hmm. uh, like, he still hasn't gotten a job, so his parents are still on his case, and... Yeah, he, like, stays a, a, a couple days at home, and his family's like, this is, cr this is crazy, you have to go get a job. But, uh... Eventually, at the grocery store, he sees row and row of honey, and yeah, this like, freaks like, him out. I know what this is. Yeah. This is this is honey. Where did you get this? We make this. Yeah, and, and you know, he's like, and you have so many different kinds of it, and it's on sale? <laughs> uh, and, and uh... He's like, well, how did this even happen? This is our honey. How are you? Who's get? How, how come we didn't get any money for this? And, and my first thought was, I don't know, probably because you're in a wild hive and no one's collecting your honey. Yeah, I, I mean, 
it's interesting that he immediately goes to who's stealing our honey instead of oh there must be an entrepreneuring hive out there that sells honey mm-hmm. It's not like honey is vanishing from his hive. It's under a tree in Central Park. No one is coming through there to take honey away from him. And yet his his initial reaction is, how come I'm not getting a piece of this? Yeah, it's very weird that he is just so indignant about the idea that someone that isn't a bee would have honey at all. Yeah, and he's like, we work really hard on this. And I'm like, okay, you don't. You've never worked a day in your life. Yeah. How how are you this indignant for something you are actively trying to not be a part of? Oh, uh, it's because he's a white bee. <laughs> uh. Uh, anyway, he gets he gets really mad about this and decides to track down the source of the honey. Which, luckily, in this movie, there's only like one company that makes honey. Uh, so it's an easy job. Yeah, I mean. He goes into the back and has a fucking sword, sword fight, fight with his stinger versus a like tack with the uh Hector, clerk the, that the had dude hit who him works earlier. at the grocery store. Yeah. And uh he eventually finds out that they get their honey from Honey Farms. What a what a thoughtful name. What a great name for a honey place to distribute what is apparently every different label of honey. Mm-hmm. So including the uh the Ray Liotta private reserve honey, uh which it was a kind of funny joke where they're both just standing there looking at going, wait, isn't he like that actor? I mean, I honestly, the fact that they managed to get Ray Liotta in this movie later is great. It is true. It's it's fine. Uh yeah, so he he the honey Farms jokes are actually kind of funny as well as a corporate thing, because they're like, oh, yes, uh, hun- Honey Farms is a division of Hunix, which itself is a uh, Honesco product. And I was like, oh, I get that. That's like uh, how there's only like six Hun-run! companies that make food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he gets he gets onto a Honey Farms truck, which he just assumes is going to a Honey Farms. Just, uh, luckily for him, the only supply chain that exists for Honey Farms in this movie is trucks that carry... Uh, honey directly from the farm to various honey st- or stores that sell honey. Indeed. And there's no packaging. There's no back and forth. The truck doesn't go anywhere else. It's just farm store. That's yeah. it. Presumably there's someone in the back of the truck who is rapidly bottling honey for sale. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway. Yeah, the <laughs> this is going to be a scene where he ends up on the windshield of the truck and meets Chris Rock's mosquito character, Mooseblood, who is I, I, named I such because this. he is headed to Canada in order to drink Mooseblood. Mm-hmm. This is such a paycheck for Chris Rock that I'm surprised <laughs> that, this, that this isn't an Adam Sandler movie. Because uh, uh, <laughs> he's in this movie for a minute. And then he shows up again at the end for one line. Yeah, for the one other mosquito joke they had. Yeah, because they were just like, well, well, here's this guy. He's voiced by Chris Rock. He's an amiable insect of a different species. He's a little more wise in the ways of the outside world. And so when you meet him, you're like, okay, so this this is where the buddy comedy starts. No, he's going to no. be there. He doesn't even go all the way on the ride. He just eventually is like, oh, look, a bloodmobile truck. I'm going to go over there. 
I don't know what his plan is to try and get blood out of an armored vehicle that he is a bug and cannot get into, but mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and everyone is... knows him on the windshield of that car. They're like, oh, yeah, hey, he... Moose Blood! <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all the jokes are about how humans don't like mosquitoes, and they're basically born with targets on their backs. Uh, now, again, a mention of the fact that, that male mosquitoes don't eat blood and never will in their whole lives, huh. uh, and, and female mosquitoes only gather blood when they have, or, or when they are uh, n- currently nesting eggs, uh, this doesn't come up. No. <laughs> uh. But we, but again, a large, a, a large portion of this movie's plot hinges on bee smokers as a, as a working concept. <laughs> so... It's at some level they're they're concerned about the science, but not at any other level. Yeah. So <laughs> Barry makes it to the honey farm and finds the various fake hives and is horrified at what he sees. And the humans there are like aware that they're in a movie now because they're like. Oh, we're we're gonna be malicious, evil, bad guy corporate, and they're like, "Ha These stupid bees—they do not realize that we are taking their honey." <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. All the people working at this farm only have lines that are like, "Like, yes." Then the bees make us the honey, and we give them nothing. Yeah, it's pure profit. <laughs> I'm like, is being kind of a weird psychopath like? a requirement to be a beekeeper here <laughs> no being a beekeeper is really hard what it's not it's not pure profit you don't just put a box in the yard and eventually there's honey in it you have to do all kinds of work yeah it is <laughs> uh it is definitely something it is uh it is a choice now but I yeah would also like sees... to mention it doesn't really have a bearing on the scene but i want to mention it this movie, if you aren't one of the, like, main characters or one of the humans that is actually voiced by a celebrity, there's, like, three faces they have in this movie. Oh, yeah, that is definitely true. And it became very clear at this point, because before we were mostly focused on either the Hive or just him interacting with a select few humans. But once he like goes out in the world and we start seeing a bunch of humans out there, you're like, Oh, there you have like one human male face and you are using it for everyone. Yeah. It's like trying to run around a crowded city in like a PlayStation one game. Oh yeah. You just like zoom into the crowd and you're like, Oh, Oh, I get it. No, (laughs) (laughs) these are just cardboard standees. (laughs) Isn't this a CGI movie? Yeah, they saved a lot of money doing this. Uh, so he gets completely incensed over the fact that, that uh, you know, beehives that are built by humans exist. And he goes back home and discusses with Vanessa his plan to sue humanity over stolen honey. Yeah, because... It's real hard to make, and they dedicate their whole lives to making honey, and how dare humans just steal it? Yeah. Now, the uh, the notion that bees make, make way more honey than they need to uh, 
and that beekeepers are exceedingly careful to not take all the honey so that they don't kill the hives uh, is, of course, dismissed with by making the beekeepers evil. Yes. Uh, and, and also the fact that Barry is the one who's running the lawsuit. And when he, spoiler alert, eventually wins the lawsuit, they deliver honey to his hive, which has never had honey stolen from it. Yeah. I mean, I guess the settlement was just, we are going to take all of the honey and then divvy it up to every hive regardless and just it's it's like a class action lawsuit where everyone gets a little piece of the settlement yeah and you you know that there was going to be a follow-up class action lawsuit immediately after that where some you know professional honeybee from a uh, human built hive is like hey fuck you wild bees can't have our honey they didn't work for it either yeah that's not your honey (laughs) you're just using the legal system to make money without doing any work at all yeah given that the the whole thing in this is the honey becomes this sort of representation for money mm-hmm. because like once all the bees get it they just sort of become the idle rich yeah yeah they stop working <laughs> and i'm like man uh, that makes me like you even less barry which i didn't like you to begin with given that you were just like i'm going to steal all of this from the people that actually worked for it Oh, yeah. I mean, if you actually examine Barry's arc in this movie, where he starts out as like this kind of lazy bee who's just doesn't want to do the same job for the rest of his life. And then he's like, oh, I know what job I could get lawyer and I'll just sue to win some honey. Yeah, it's and you're like, I don't care how offended you are. You've never worked a day. Yeah, it <laughs> it does not make me feel particularly uh close to this character but it does however make sense to come from jerry seinfeld that that would Mm -hmm. be his thing yeah that he would think that this character is is somehow redeemed and likable by the end of this movie uh yeah uh okay so anyway we should talk about the actual lawsuit because the the, uh, amazingly the lawsuit really happens and we get the one joke in the movie i kind of liked but before the lawsuit begins uh Barry goes back to the hive and and tells everyone what's happening and that he is going to sue. And instead of, you know, calling him insane or whatever, they're all supporting him. And he gets to go on Be Larry King. Yes, he is. Because if you're making a New York movie, it's very easy to get a Larry King cameo. And it is. Or it was. Literally just called Be Larry King Live. He is Be Larry King. And, you know, they have the interview. And then at the end. Uh, Barry's just like, hey, you know, there's a human version of you also called Larry King. Oh, that's yeah, a very this... common name. <laughs> no, yeah, he's got he's, like he, the he... suspenders and he's all hunched over and very Jewish. Yeah, the pointed light, the, the, the big board of weird lights behind him. It's all the same stuff. And Larry King B is just like, I don't want to talk about this. We just, just leave me alone. And I, I appreciated that rather than taking the Larry King B interview seriously at all seinfeld is just like immediately launches into hey this is just larry king yeah it was like oh we didn't make it be larry king and then not lampshade it (laughs) and they didn't do anything else either from the moment that he's in the building he's like yeah i'm gonna sue the humans okay here's time for some jokes (laughs) uh and so there's the whole court case where he is representing the bees him and his buddy 
Yeah, Adam is also there with him in the in the room. I don't know if either of them has any kind of legal experience. I know that Adam was obsessed with working on a permanent Ferris wheel that gathers honey from teacups. Yeah, I mean, I originally was like, shouldn't like an actual bee lawyer show up and do this? But then I guess there, in a bee society, there isn't a bee lawyer because you don't have to sue anyone. I mean, I'm very curious as to the, I mean, the Krellman is the thing that that uh, Adam is obsessed with working on. It's like a, a rotating thing with bees who have helmets that have fingers on them. Scoop the last little strand of honey off teacups going by. Well, and yeah, because they're curious pouring as to where those honey from one place are. into another. Yeah, where are those teacups coming from and going to? Why are they making giant ocean-sized amounts of tea in their beehive? And and what are they doing with them after they honey them? <laughs> <sighs> probably feeding them to be Larry King. Probably. So, yeah, yes. I mean, that would have been another great moment for like a lampshade thing for ha- to have Seinfeld be like, uh, aren't those cups of tea? What are we doing with those? But they are. How did we even get them? Like <laughs> they just have big poor vats. Like they don't have cups of tea. Oh, I, I guess I must've misremembered. I apologize. They just have honey. Sorry. I had chili for lunch yesterday and I forgot my kids. <laughs> So we get introduced to the obviously comically obese southern country fried lawyer that's going to represent all food manufacturers everywhere in the world. Uh, it is John Goodman doing the same fat country lawyer accent that everyone has ever done. Yes. He's just going to show up and be a country lawyer. Yeah. Just a little bit preacher, a little bit foghorn leghorn. <laughs> and... uh we just at least Futurama made that guy a chicken. Huh. We we get at this point a parade of random nonsense. So the judge is Oprah Winfrey for the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, judge Bumbleton. Which honestly, if your last name is Bumbleton, shouldn't you recuse yourself from a bee-themed case? You're like, oh, hold on, this I can't do this. Are you part B? We've established that bees and humans share mutual physical carnal attractions. <laughs> uh, and then calls to the stand, you know, several things, including Sting for some reason. Oh, because his name is Sting. I and, know. And, I know that he yeah. wanted to do the Sting joke, but it makes mm-hmm. no sense in a court case about Honey to be like, and your name's Sting? Like, um... Okay, but, like, Sting doesn't only refer to bees. Like, you can be stung by many things. <laughs> yeah, and, and he has to be... Here's the thing. He's like, he's like, you call yourself Sting, and that's just a fancy sta- dance-about stage name? Isn't that true? Gordon M. Sumner. And, and I guess that would be neat if, you know, Dana Carvey hadn't done a bit on that in, like, 1990. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> you can't take that away from Dana Carney, Jer- Dana Carvey, Jerry. It's not yours. <laughs> no, the whole shut up, Gary, is uh, you know, it's a time honored thing. That's David. Uh, Goddamn, what's wrong with me? That is Dana Carvey's. That uh, and and can I finish? You can't have them. <laughs> uh, and this is also where we get Ray Liotta to show up. 
Yeah, it turns out that he is also comically villainous in this movie, which honestly is kind of funny. But just like the beekeepers, he's just like, ah, yes, I have a, I have a honeybee line, and what are you going to do about it? I'll kill you. I'll kill every bee. Yeah, but they're just going off the, oh, Ray Liotta is the same in real life as every character he plays in a mobster movie, where he always seems to be a second away from losing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's a yeah. great joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, overall, it appears as though the bees are definitely winning the case. Uh, everything goes in their favor for the first couple days of the trial. Uh, we get a, a break moment in the uh, case where Barry goes off to do some research or something, but but eventually the uh, the evil countryfied lawyer is like, here's how I'm going to win this. I'm just going to fuck with the bees until one of them stings me, and then work the jury based on that yeah and then just be like oh see these savages we have to take their honey from them because they're less than we are yeah yeah um so he goes in there and he this is when he does the whole you know you you're actually the 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 son of the queen of the bees correct a character who is never in this film for even a second no uh and uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm technically, you know, th- th- that's how our hive works, yeah. And he's like, then those aren't even your parents, are they? And, and he has to be like, yeah, those are my parents. What the hell is wrong with you? And this makes Adam, Matthew Broderick's character, uh, who has always been kind of a nebbish, quiet dude, so incredibly mad that he stings this evil lawyer on the butt at the risk of his own life because he has to defend the honor of bees. Yeah. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily for him, he doesn't die from doing this. Uh, they managed to get him an emergency stinger transplant, which is a little plastic sword. Yep. It's, ha-ha, he's got a little plastic sword. That's his butt now. Although it will be gone when he shows up in future scenes in the film. No, it won't. It'll be there. Oh, is it there? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Because um, he is in that last climactic, ridiculous scene at the, towards the end, so I, I didn't remember seeing it there. Oh, it is. Don't you worry okay. about that. Right, I was on the enough. lookout for it. So anyway, it goes the way that they more or less predicted. Goodman, or Leighton T. Montgomery, or whatever the judge's name is, manages to turn this around. He's like, bees are savages. Look at what he's done to me. I'm going to die. That kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um. <sighs> but luckily, Barry manages to turn it around on the last day by, and here's the thing that, okay, a lot of things in this movie hinge on one throwaway moment from very much earlier in the movie. In this case, when he goes to visit the bee farm, he sees them using smokers to calm down the bees so they can get the honey out. He wins the court case by showing that the bees are being forcibly exposed to secondhand smoke against their will. Yeah. There's, <sighs> at first, because the... The reason he thinks of it is when he's visiting his friend, someone's smoking outside. And he's like, oh, bees hate smoke. Wait a minute. But at first I was like, oh, that the smoke just reminds him, oh, hey, they use smokers. Mm-hmm. And then he goes in and he's like, you've addicted all these bees to nicotine. No, we haven't. There's no nicotine in bee smokers. The smoke is the thing that makes them pass out, not any kind of chemical in the smoke. Yeah, no one's like smoking cigarettes and then blowing it into a canister so that they can then blow that canister on bees. Even if we were using bee smokers loaded with cigarettes, it still wouldn't be secondhand smoke because we're blowing the smoke directly to the bees. That'd be first-hand There's no smoke. first-hand in that situation. <laughs> 
But I mean, yeah, there's no nicotine in bee smokers. That would be an unnecessary additive. Yeah, no but one that's would what, do that. <laughs> that's what wins the case. Yep. It wins the case that no one bothered to check to see if there was nicotine in bee smokers. And the case is won, and now every drop of honey on the entire planet is collected and returned to every beehive. Uh, I, I have to assume, although we only ever see honey going to Barry's hive. Yeah, I mean, we see them go out, and of course the... The bees from uh, the various farms are liberated and free now, which I don't know what they're going to do, but okay, sure. I mean, I assume they're going to make honey for themselves until the next plot point of this insane movie. Well, I mean, it immediately comes that there's too much honey now. They Because all of this honey shows up at their doorstep, they're like, oh, we need to stop honey production for the first time ever because we've got way too much honey. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and so they all stop working, and and because they don't need any nectar or pollen to make honey, the pollen jocks stop working. And again, in a throwaway line from the beginning of the movie, one of the jocks is like, "Hey, look, when I when I get this pollen on my legs, I can shake it on other flowers. Neat, right?" Yeah. Well, it's like, oh, that's it's all part of what we do here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they they then have the whole we shift to an environmental message where it's like, oh, the bees stopped like getting pollen and nectar and whatnot. So now every plant has died. Every mm-hmm. plant. Well, every flower anyway. Every, every flower in the world. Plant. Because all of the trees are dead. <laughs> That's also true, yeah. It is literally every plant that was in this movie wilts. Except Interestingly, none of the humans are all that concerned about that. They're just grumpy because there's no flowers anymore. Now, sure, that could be because Renee Zellweger's character owns a flower shop. Uh, Oh, yeah, she has to, like, ashamedly write no more flowers on her closed sign. But you'd think that people wouldn't be all that worried about the lack of flowers. They'd be more worried about how, like, you know, there's no more lettuce. Yeah, because... That you can't get a tomato now. All all things have died that are plant-based, apparently... (laughs) but whatever. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, a lot of things do grow from flowers first. Like if all the bees died, we would have no more apples, oranges, almonds. But all I'm saying is that that would be the, that would be the headline. Not yes. that, oh, you can't get tulips now. Uh, but Barry comes back and sees Vanessa and she's pissed off, which is weird considering she also helped in this court case, but she just blames Barry for this. I mean, to her credit, there was no point where he was like, yeah, and as soon as we get all the honey, all of us will stop working forever. Yeah, but it's not like he knew that was going to happen. That's true, but I feel like he could have guessed. I mean, his whole point was to get the honey back. Well, I don't think he was thinking at all. He was just like, oh, we should just have this honey because it's ours, and then didn't realize what was going to happen. I found it interesting that once he got all the honey back, he was just like, good, now the bees have the honey, and I I can stop, and not like tried to you know market the honey himself yeah at no point was he like great now we have the honey and now we'll put like bee select honey out there yeah oh it's bee ray liotta <laughs> no we did not get a I bee mean, ray liotta joke which is unfortunate i really would have liked to see bee ray liotta that would have been nice uh anyway well so every plant this, in the world is dead at this point vanessa's like look i'm gonna i'm getting on a plane i'm going to california because there's one last Tournament of Roses parade, and 
then that's it. There's no more roses, which <laughs> the tournament of roses parade is January, but it's very clearly not winter anywhere, which is weird, but that's again, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about that. There's no seasonal changes in this film at all. So that's not a big deal. Uh, but the, the two of them are then going to go because he realizes, oh, wait a minute. Roses. Oh, ho. Uh, we if, can, we get... if we can get some roses, then we can get some pollen. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'll just get some pollen from the roses, and then that'll be enough pollen to fix every plant on Earth. Yeah, well, I mean, it's basically just, hey, as long as we can, I guess, fix Central Park, then the world is fixed. It's a very <laughs> New York attitude. <laughs> yeah, we fixed the only park anyone's ever seen. We fixed the only thing that matters, New York. <laughs> uh, no park exists unless Woody Allen doesn't go there. <laughs> he, he doesn't go to any of the parks. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. I, well, th there's one that he could go to and doesn't. Well, there's plenty he could go to. He's very wealthy. Uh, that's true. He could go wherever he wants, but he chooses not to leave New York most of the time. Uh, so, yes, their whole plan is to steal a Tournament of Roses float, take the roses off, ship them on a plane via, that they are on as luggage. Yeah, via commercial airliner, they're going to ship the roses. And take them back to New York. And I got to say... When we get them in California, none of the Californian plants have died. No, so apparently nope, California bees are fine. Uh, I, I have to assume that it, that uh, this was a New York court and that the rest of the country is just watching in confusion as New York voluntarily gives all their honey back to bees. I guess. Like, this wasn't a Supreme Court thing. This was just the court of New York. So all New York grocery stores got rid of their honey the rest of the planet is like what are you guys doing yeah <laughs> and especially Meanwhile, because every plant in new york then withers within like three days <laughs> i mean yeah because three days has not given the fat country lawyer enough time to you know just appeal at the next level <laughs> oh yeah well it's <laughs> barry has to go back and be like oh hey vanessa what's going on and it's only been a couple of days but every plant has died. So, you know. Yeah. So um, they have to fly back to the hive. And through some dumb contrivance, it ends up that uh, Barry is in the cockpit of the airplane. Yeah. Well, they there's a storm coming. And they're like, oh, we're going to have to be like a few hours late. And he's ah, like, yeah. oh, but... Our our flowers are in the hold, and they don't have any water, and we need to get there before they die. Which is odd, because you'd think the pollen would still be in them, even if the flowers died. Anyway, mm -hmm. so he has to go up to the front, and he's going to be like, hey, I want to try and convince you guys to please continue forward to New York so that we can get these flowers Oh, what's that? A passenger who wants to let us know that we should fly faster? What an interesting idea. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. <laughs> now, 
when they get there, they both freak out and attempt to kill Barry because he is a bee. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because you'd think there was just a huge nationally famous court case of specifically this talking bee that was... <laughs> this guy. But they're both just like, ah, bee, and not like, oh, wait, we just recently established that bees can talk. Yeah. The fact that he even shows up and talks to them before they freak out and go, ah, a bee in the cockpit, they you'd think they go, ah, oh, oh, hey, bee. And, like, talk to him, but no. I, it's not that he's a bee, John. It's just that he's in the cockpit. This movie was made, made post-9-11. <laughs> ah, someone in the cockpit! Get the marshal! <laughs> so, yes, uh. they managed to knock themselves out in their wild desire to get rid of the bee. And now it is yeah, up to that... Barry and Vanessa to land the plane in New York. Yeah, the the scene where Vanessa comes up to the cockpit and like sees what has happened is part of the trailer for the movie. Uh, Cause it's just a, a, lo- a fast Seinfeld line where he's like, Oh, there's a boat and one of them was bald. Now one's in a boat. The other one's unconscious, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's just, you know, fast delivery. But when you stop and consider the delivery of what he's saying, it's, there's no joke in it. He's just saying stuff. Yeah. He's like, there's a vacuum and be... a wig and a boat. And now this one's bald and they're both unconscious. Yeah. And you're like, Hey, was that a joke or is that is that entirely relying on how you have a Seinfeld voice because you are Seinfeld? <laughs> uh, so I'm not even going to give you the Seinfeld voice. You get a Seinfeld voice because here's a weird secret. It's not a very hard voice. Ah. So uh, this is going to be the point where everything in this movie has been just sort of like, let's do whatever the fuck who gives a shit and this is this is definitely the scene where they're like nah you know what who cares anything's possible magic exists all he gets of a phone the call bees, from bees all of the bees of new york find out that barry is trying to get back with flowers to help and they all fly out to guide the plane in for a landing because half of them go up and get under the plane and just push it like Superman. <laughs> yeah, so about several hundred of the pollen jock bees fly up there, including the uh, the the general of the pollen yeah, jocks. including Rip Torn. <laughs> Rip Torn. Uh, and they kind of just hold the, the airplane aloft, which I don't, I'm not sure why they need to. It's not like the airplane's engines are out. Well, it's just they we don't just have know a how point- to fly it where Vanessa sees that they were on autopilot, the plane gets hit by lightning, and then the autopilot turns off, and she's like, well, now I'm not going to (laughs) fly. But I mean, like, it's not like you have to put your foot on the gas. (laughs) (sighs) Whatever. It's, It's a dumb movie. Who cares? And at this point, they can't quite find the place to park the plane, so... It's so foggy out, you see. So now all of the bees get together to do a little dance where they, yep, they look like a big black and yellow flower. Yeah, and uh, Barry senses it automatically because of his bee senses. <sighs> and and then they land the plane, but it's... Like a bee. Like a bee, so the, the nose just like flutters around this fake bee flower and... Uh, and 
He's just like, yep, fly like a bee. It's you know, the only thing I know. To get your nose. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the the uh, flight coordinator who was very confused by all these proceedings is Michael Richards getting a quiet paycheck because, you know, I mean, you know, you know. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> so they and then we they get the flowers, they get the pollen, all of the pollen jocks get their little devices that they were using for nectar and now just suck up pollen. And it turns out pollen is magic. Oh, it's super magic. Also, when the pollen jocks congratulate Barry, they give him his very own pollen jock jacket. He's like, huh, I'm a pollen jock. Yay. And you're like, wait a minute. Doesn't that contradict the opening of this movie where you're like, I don't want to have a regular bee job. (sighs) So, yeah, uh, they fly off. And pollen, as soon as it touches any plant, immediately regrows it to full health. So dead yes, trees, yep, dead grass, doesn't matter. They even fly past a kid with a Frisbee and he goes, Mommy, the bees are back. And it's like, yeah, the bees never actually left. They just, you know, stopped working. The bees are back in town. <laughs> so they magically fix every plant in the, in the city, including the dead ones, because because uh, Barry takes a moment to fly past Vanessa's flower shop and bring all the pokes and shit back to life. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Pollen is magic. Any plant that was dead that gets touched by even a grain of pollen immediately comes back to life. Yeah. And then we cut to this movie's denouement slash ending where uh, Barry is a lawyer working animal cases in the state of New York. Uh, and there's there's a cow who's complaining that that uh, meat and honey or meat and milk and so on are being taken from her. And she's not getting any money for it. Yeah, well, it's it's all the milk stuff because the joke is, oh, man, they're just treating me like a piece of meat. <laughs> uh, but you'd think yeah. Barry, having already gone through the we're going to sue people so that the animals can keep their stuff, would have gone, oh, I'm sorry, Cal, you don't want to do this. It would be real stupid. <laughs> it's going to be a crazy thing with an airliner. <laughs> uh, but yes. Eventually, Instead, he agrees though, to take the case, but he's too busy to do it himself, so he calls in his lawyer friend, uh, the yeah. Mosquito, again, for one line. Well, yeah, because he gets the call on his cell phone that, like, oh, the pollen jocks are going to go out, and he's like, oh, I am also a pollen jock in addition to being a lawyer. I'll leave you in the capable hands of my associate, Moose Blood. And, and he just comes in and is like, yeah, of course I'm a lawyer. I'm already a blood-sucking parasite. Now I've got a briefcase. Yay, we did it. A lawyer joke. Hooray. Yeah, what a great way to get out of this. It turns out his uh, his lawyer office is located inside Vanessa's flower shop, and his lawyer agency is just called Insects at Law, which I feel like there could have been a joke there. Maybe I'm Maybe I've been spoiled by years and years of Bob's Burgers. Maybe. But uh, nope. That's it. There's a lot of a lot of points in this movie where things could be jokes and aren't. For example, uh, there's a point where they do a whole news story on how all the honey's back in the hive on like some BTV show. Uh huh. And there's like, hi, I'm whatever, and I'm I'm here to talk about it. And their names are just stuff like I'm Jeanette Chung. Well, that's the joke because everyone else's name is a B joke, and then mm-hmm. it goes, and I'm Jeanette Chung. So th- except that it isn't. It, I mean, but that's not the name of the, the, the actual famous reporter. No, but you, that, you see, the joke is that 
Oh, okay. That everyone else had a B name, and then she just goes, and I have a regular human name. Yes, that's the joke. Is that it? Yes. Okay, I thought they all just had regular human names. No, they're I all was... like, and now Buzz Stingley with sports. Ah, uh, okay. Very good. Very good. Somehow I missed. I had a lot of. Probably because we waited lot. two days. <laughs> two. It was. It was the two days wait before we recorded it. My apologies. Ah, uh, yes. I. I'd like I to understand. Apologize. Your mind is a sieve, and everything will leak out of it. I, I'd like to apologize to bees. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to B. Larry King. <laughs> Regular Larry King? Uh, uh, well, that, so was, yes. that was species, specious of me. Regular Larry King is human Larry King. Excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it turns out movie. that, yeah, he gets everything he ever wanted. He gets to be a cool pilot like his dead brother, I guess. And he gets to be a cool lawyer as well. So I, I, I don't know if we're supposed to like this guy, but no, there's no reason you would like Barry by the end. No, at the end, it's... What is this? Oh, a guy who's never worked and basically sued to get money he never worked for, then mm-hmm. gets everything he wanted in a relationship and a job and is both a high-paid lawyer and a cool jock, even though he does not have the capabilities or training to be either. Yeah. You know you know who he ends this movie as? Because he... he has a little time as like a, a legal profession and also had a do nothing fighter pilot job where he was just basically being babysat for several years. He's George W. Bush. Indeed. <laughs> he ends this as just any given politician. <laughs> <laughs> Except that W. Bush in particular had a, you know, I'm in the air national guard, not especially distinguished fighter pilot career. Yes. So he ends this as, as he's George W. Bush, and he's the hero. Yes. All right. Well, there you have it. Yep. So, all right. So that was B-Movie. Let's, let's go ahead and move on to our bests and worsts in this movie. Jeff, why don't you give me the best thing in this movie for you? Uh, it's the scene where he's talking to B. Larry King and refusing to take the movie seriously. Yeah. Uh, I, I Anytime... Like, this movie didn't take itself especially seriously, but there were moments where he was, like, deadly serious when he was talking to people and so on. There's that In that scene, he's just sort of, like, it's almost like he replaced the star of the movie for a second. Like, he cl- used Adam Sandler's controller from Click to get into this and was like, huh, I'm just going to comment on what I see for a while. <laughs> and it's, it's amusing. It's a funny scene for me. So that's my favorite. What about you? Uh, I'm going to say, outside of that, there was one thing where I was like, Ha, that's that's a good gag. I get it. Mm. And that is, at the beginning of the trial, everyone's like, everyone's waiting to see if a bee can talk. And oh, yeah. like the cameras all zoom in on Barry as he walks up, and he just kind of goes, I'm just fucking with you. Anyway, Your Honor. And I'm like, ha, I get it. That's a good yeah. joke. I'd say the only thing I actually laughed at besides those two was in the scene where he sneaks into the back room of the grocery store and ends up in a a sword fight with Hector. There's a moment where Hector, a character who has had no development at all, just narrows his eyes all of a sudden and says, I sense him. (laughs) Yes. And Uh, I appreciated that. So Uh, so there you go. Least favorite thing, I guess. The worst thing in this movie for you. I mean, again, I'm going to say it's mostly the character development, like the ending uh, in character development is so unearned where I'm supposed to like this guy when he's just a, a, or a, a legal leech. Yeah. Well, he I didn't mean, do any work. Never. He's, he's just a real piece of shit that almost yeah. caused the downfall of humanity. 
This isn't the 80s. You can't make cool movies about lawyers anymore. You can't make a cool movie about a dude who gets rich and has privilege for nothing. Yeah. I mean, pretty much if it's post Caddyshack, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. No one thinks they no one thinks rich guys are cute now. We're all we're all sharpening guillotines. <laughs> uh all right, so that's my least favorite thing. It's basically just the ending, uh, feeling super unearned. What about you? I, you know. <laughs> One thing I should. <laughs> Excuse me for a second. Of course. <laughs> oh, I'm beat. <laughs> Good Lord, what is happening in there? Uh, uh, sorry, that that was unplanned. <laughs> No, the, I mean, I very much agree with you, but I definitely think for me, the thing I disliked the most, it's got to come down to one of the very stupid things in this where like either that pollen is magical or I mean, the, the, like, the, the, the smoker or any of the weird, dumb bullshit in this. I mean, you, there's also got to be something said for the the sexual tension developed between the human character and the bee. Like, I get it. I understand that that's part of the the joke in this. You're like, haha, human bee. Ah, uh, you get the the two of them. Uh, that would never couple. work. Yeah, but uh, I eh, just a lot of stupid shit. There's a lot of dumb crap in this, and I I want to say the initial hard left of this movie isn't about Barry as much as it is about like a court case and being in love with a human I was like what the fuck why I mean when it makes that dramatic turn towards the end of the film where it's like oh and then all the bees retire and all the plants in the world die and that's why we have to enslave bees and keep them stupid so we can so, so that the plants in the world don't die because if you trust bees with their own product the, I mean, that's it's such a weird turn. It's a very weird message that at the end of the movie, they're like, well, actually, corporations are good. And the fact that we exploit workers means that the world gets to run. That's the message of this. Yeah. I mean, capitalism is good. What are we trying to say exactly? I mean, I, I, we the problem is because the movie ends so abruptly, there's not a moment where it shows that there's a new model in beehives where they're the ones controlling the sale of honey. I mean, there is one little bit in Vanessa's shop where she has like a stack of bee-approved honey. Ah, right. Okay. But it's in a flower shop. It's not like this is in a grocery store somewhere so you have to assume this is just some honey that like she gets from Barry's hive specifically right that i mean presumably uh, in a situation where bees can all talk to humans and have you know equal legal standing and everything you'd think that all those factory farm beehives would be phased out yeah or and yet at least modified such that the the bees just take the honey out of the hive and put it in you know bowls or whatever as opposed to needing to be knocked unconscious yeah uh, so okay <sighs> all right so we're gonna go ahead and rate this movie we're each gonna give it a rating zero to five which will give it at a rating out of ten jeff i want to give this one a letter grade so i can give it a b ha ha jokes uh okay hang on so Let what, me try four? and do one that's <laughs> at least at least as good of the movie hang on <laughs> no it's gonna get a two i mean it, w- it had a couple of funny jokes and it, it was only 90 minutes long yeah sure 
I mean, so a two. I think a two is pretty, pretty good for this one. Like, it's got a couple of jokes you can laugh at. It doesn't last forever, but it is just awful to look at. Like, it's not, you know, food fight level CGI, but it is also from DreamWorks, and you would assume they would be better. No, I mean, I mean, I assume that that other 2007 DreamWorks movies looked about this bad, I, although I, I don't have that in front of me. Uh, but yes, uh, a four out of ten for B-movie. Yeah, I think, and, and honestly, I feel like that's just about right. Yep. So thank you so much for joining us. Of course, we will be back in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. Uh, I mentioned this before, not really doing the in-theaters now because of the whole, you know, lockdown. <laughs> but yeah, we yeah, are it's, still it's... doing any movie that we can watch at home. So mm-hmm. if, if you've got suggestions, you can go ahead and... Uh, Tag me in Discord. Uh, the link to our Discord is on our Twitter account at System Mastery. And let me know anything you want to put on the big list. We'll go ahead and put it on there. Uh, please do not send us DVDs right now. I do not want your germ-riddled DVDs. And it's not like we could watch them together anyway, so a DVD would be worthless to us. Indeed. It's garbage. Now, unless, unless of course, it is, uh, you know, like... 80s butt porn in which case you know do send it to me butt porn i don't know why i said butt porn that felt wrong the moment i said it it certainly did because i i wanted to say like cheeky type porn you know like literally like the movie like tinto brass's movie cheeky uh-huh as opposed to as opposed to what i think i just accidentally requested which is just like angle <laughs> that's not what I, I don't want that i wanted i wanted cute butt stuff but cute not butt stuff not but hardcore not, butt stuff Exactly, yeah, where it's just like, oh, look, a butt, as opposed to, oh, God, that butt. <laughs> okay, uh, to, to make more sense now, I think we got that figured out. Yeah, fine. So, mm-hmm. again, go ahead, let us know what you want to watch. We will attempt to get it on the list. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with more Movie Mastery, and until then, you have a good one.